the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The church is riddled with problems. The culture has seeped into the church. Paul's answer for all of these issues is simply Jesus. And first of all, to realize that Jesus has sanctified you. He has set you apart. He has called you to be holy. Number two... Jesus will provide for your every need. In other words, stop chasing the things of this world. The things of this world will never, ever satisfy you. Jesus alone is what will bring you satisfaction. Good evening. I'm Kyle Welch, and welcome to Lift Up Jesus with Pastor Dudley. We are here every night at this time on KKLA to share the good news of Jesus Christ and to lift up his name to the entire city of Los Angeles. No matter if you are listening tonight from your car or at home or in your place of work, we believe that tonight's sermon from Pastor Dudley will be a blessing to all our listeners. So if you can, get out your Bibles and let's join Pastor Dudley right now with tonight's message. Good morning, good morning. How many of you know when you walked in here today, you walked into an unusually blessed church? How many of you know that? There are 66 books in the Bible, and today we begin a series looking at one of those 66 books, a book called 1 Corinthians. And you can take your Bibles and turn to that. We're actually calling this series 1 Californians, okay? And the reason we're doing that is because the situation in Corinth, in that city, is a lot like the situation in our city, the city of Los Angeles. The city of Corinth was a very famous city. It was a uh, beautiful city, but it was an immoral city. And I don't know if you know about Los Angeles, but we are a well-known city. Los Angeles is one of the most well-known cities in the world. And it's also a beautiful city. It's why many of us live here. It's just so beautiful. But we are also a very immoral city. And so we're going to look at this book as 1 Corinthians, and I'll be talking more about that because it relates to our church and our situation here in California. Now, Corinth was at the crossroads of the entire Roman world at that time. Any commerce that was put on boats that went from east to west and west to east in the Roman Empire, it sailed through Corinth. Now, they had two choices according to this map. Look, number one, they could sail all the way around to the bottom, way down there in the south, and go all the way down that long, that big body of land and go back up. But that was very dangerous. It was very expensive. It had terrible weather, a lot of little hidden islands down there in the water. It was very, very dangerous. A lot of boats were shipwrecked. Or they could sail into the harbor. They would come to Corinth. But how would they get across the isthmus? 
They had slaves that would take the boats and put them on log rollers, and the slaves would roll the boats for four miles across the isthmus until it got to the next body of water. And that was cheaper and saved them more time than going all the way around the south. They would bring the boats into the harbor, and then the slaves would take the boats all the way across, and they had this slogan, a motto. And here was the motto, what happens in Corinth stays in Corinth. (laughs) They were very, very clever. Because all of the sailors and all the people would be involved in all kinds of immorality while they were waiting for those boats to be taken across the isthmus. And that is the context, and you can understand that all this immorality had crept into the church. That is the context for which Paul writes this letter. He begins the letter by telling them the answer to all of their problems. And the answer to all of their problems, write this down, is found in Jesus Christ. How many of you know Jesus is the answer to all your problems? He is the answer to all your problems. Now, I want to show you a few of the problems. Go to 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 10. These are just a few of the problems. He goes, I appeal to you, brothers, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, with all of you to agree with one another, so that there may be no divisions among you, and that you may be perfectly united in mind and in thought. I I always find it interesting that he wants us to be perfectly united and that there should be no divisions in the church. Well, this church was filled with divisions, and we'll get into that. I want you to go over and look at chapter 3, verse 3. He says, you are still worldly, for since there is jealousy and there's quarreling uh, among you, are you not still worldly? worldly. So they're immature in their faith. They got in the church, but they've not matured. And there's a lot of fighting. There's a lot of jealousy. There's a lot of bickering. I want you to go uh, to the next verse. Go over to chapter 4, verse 18. There's one little word there. Uh, They are arrogant. We just finished a series on the Beatitudes in the very first one. Blessed are the poor in spirit. Blessed are those who are humble, those who are contrite. And he didn't see that in this church. It was filled with arrogant people. And things get worse. Go to chapter 5, verse 1. This is where you can see the immorality creeping into the church. It is actually reported that there is sexual immorality among you and of a kind that does not even occur among pagans. A man has his father's wife. Some guy sleeping with his father's wife wife. I mean, you're talking about some really perverse things in the church. The last one I'll show you, go over to verse 11, and and this is just the first five chapters. I'm not going to skim through the whole thing, all right? But look at verse 11. Now I am writing you that you must not associate with anyone who calls himself a brother. Everyone say a brother. This is someone who says that they're a Christian. They're calling themselves a Christian, yet they're involved in sexual immorality or the greedy, uh, the idolaters, the slanderers, the drunkards, or the swindlers, with such a man do not even eat. And and we're going to get back and discuss all this. All I want you to know is that the church is filled with problems. Paul says the answer to all these problems is Jesus. He's a sanctifying Savior. 
I'm going to spend most of the time on this verse. He's a sanctifying Savior. I want you to look at verse 2 again. It says, to the church of God in Corinth, with all of its problems, he says to those sanctified in Christ Jesus and called to be holy, even though this church was filled with immorality, he still says that they're sanctified in Christ Jesus. Now, I want you to write this down. The word sanctified means to be set apart. It's where God sets you apart from the rest of the world. He sets you apart. The word sanctified means to be made holy. Now, I'm going to explain this to you. There are only three stages of Christianity. Stage number one is salvation. That's that's the moment you give your life to Christ. Stage number three is that moment uh, where we talked about this on Easter. If you were here on Easter, we talked about where after you die, the body's placed in the ground like a seed and covered up with dirt. But when Jesus Christ returns, you will be resurrected and you will receive a glorified body. It's called the glorification of, of, of you. Stage number one is salvation. Stage number three is when you get your glorified body. Everything in between is the sanctification process. Sanctification begins the moment you get saved until the moment you receive your glorified body. The process of God making you holy day by day, moment by moment, God leading you to holiness. There's an easy gauge. Where were you one year ago today in your relationship to Christ? And today, one year later, are you more like Christ than you were one year ago? And if so, how did you get from there to here? You got there through Jesus sanctifying you, making you holy. God called you out of the world. He set you apart. And true holiness comes uh, when you realize that God is working in your life to make you more like Jesus Christ. He's the one that sanctifies us. Holiness comes not from what you do. It comes from what Jesus Christ did on the cross. He took all of our sins. So that today when, when God looks at you, he doesn't see your sin. He sees the blood of Jesus Christ. He justifies you by what he did on that cross. Positionally, before God, he doesn't even see your sins because your sins are covered in the blood of Jesus Christ. But then there's this sanctification process where God places his spirit inside of you. It is a Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit within you is what leads you to sanctification. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 9 says, Do you not know, in other words, you should know this, that the wicked will not inherit the kingdom of God. I don't care what's going on politically in our world that makes sin okay. It's still sin. And it's sin before God, no matter what we call it. God calls certain things sin. And he says, Do not be deceived neither the sexually immoral, nor the idolaters, nor the adulterers, 
nor male prostitutes, nor homosexual offenders, verse 10, nor thieves, nor the greedy, nor the drunkards, nor the slanderers, nor the swindlers will inherit the kingdom of God. They're not getting in. But then we come to verse 11, praise God. He says, and that is what some of you were, past tense. Understand that the church in Corinth was made up of people that had lived all of those types of lives. But something happened to them. The Bible says that they were washed and they were sanctified. I find it very interesting that that he puts the word sanctified before the word justified. You are sanctified and you are justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of our God. Again, on the cross is where you are justified. He dies, he bears your sins, but then he puts the Spirit of God inside of you to lead you to holiness. And when you understand that Jesus died for you on the cross and you understand that the Holy Spirit of God is inside of you, there's something about that that just makes you want to live a holy life and to be more like Jesus Christ. Number two, quickly, he's a powerful provider. I've actually listed some of the things that God provides for you. He gives you peace and grace. He enriches you in every way, knowledge, faith, that assurance that the Bible is true. You just know, you hear the testimony of a changed life. You know that it's true. You lack no spiritual gifts. Philippians 4.19 reads as follows, my God will meet all of your your what? All, all of your wants or all of your needs? Yeah, yeah, and that's the problem. We, we want this. We want this. Well, what do you need? God's, God says, my God will meet all of your needs according to his glorious riches that are found in Christ Jesus. A need is only a message. There's something you need, really need. It's just a message. And the message is that God is your provider. That's all that is. Uh, 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 A need should be looked upon as something that's good. Because when you have a need, you can say, I now have a reason to trust in God. Anytime you have a need, it's a good thing because it causes you to cry out to God, to depend upon God. So often we get so wrapped up, well, what am I going to do? I need this. How am I going to get through this? Listen. All you need to know is that that need, that hurt, that thing that you feel that you're missing is simply a message that God alone is your provider. Number three, write this down. He's a coming king. He's a coming king. Go back to verse 7, 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 7. He's a sanctifying Savior. He's a powerful provider. And he's a coming king. Right there in the middle of verse 7, as you eagerly wait. Everyone say wait. Wait. And say eagerly wait. There's a difference. Most of you are waiting. Most of you are not eagerly waiting. Most of you think from time to time that the Lord could come back. Yes, he could come back. 
But that's not eagerly waiting. Eagerly waiting is where every moment of every day you're thinking about this could be the day that Jesus Christ returns. He says in verse 8, He will keep you strong to the end so that you will be blameless or pure on the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. That's what that Holy Spirit is doing. He's leading you to be pure so that when the Lord Jesus Christ returns, you will be found blameless. And I love verse 9. I I just love the first and the last words. The first word is God, and the last word, He's faithful. Now think with me for just a few more minutes. I want to put all this together. The church is riddled with problems. The culture has seeped into the church. Paul's answer for all of these issues is simply Jesus. And first of all, to realize that Jesus has sanctified you, He has set you apart. He has called you to be holy. Number two, Jesus will provide for your every need. In other words, stop chasing the things of this world. The things of this world will never, ever satisfy you. Jesus alone is what will bring you satisfaction. And the third thing that he says is don't forget that he's coming again. I want you to write this down. That one thought and one thought alone will change everything in your life. It will transform the way you think, the way you believe, the way you act. That he's coming again. And it could be today. And as we prepare to close, I just want to ask you this question. Do you not see how if you lived every moment eagerly waiting for the return of Jesus Christ, don't you see how that would change everything in your life? You would not walk into that club and go partying. You just wouldn't go. Some of you might have gone last night or Friday night or you're planning on going next week. And you would not in a million years, you would never walk into a place like that if you thought the Lord Jesus Christ was about to return. You would not get engaged in sexual immorality if you knew that the Lord Jesus Christ was about to return. You just wouldn't do it. You wouldn't mistreat your spouse. You wouldn't mistreat those around you. You wouldn't lie. You wouldn't steal. You wouldn't cheat if you knew that in a moment that Jesus Christ was about to return. You just wouldn't get involved in those things. And don't you see how that would change your house, your home, your marriage, your office, your school, your family? It would change you if you believed that Jesus Christ was about to return. And Paul knew it would change the church and what was going on in the church if they believed that the Lord was about to return. There was a famous Christian named Horatio Bonner, and he was a guy, he had this little card, just a little tiny card, and it had these words, I want you to run down, perhaps tonight. And every night before he went to bed, he just put that card on his little nightstand. He just wanted to think that maybe this could be the night. And when he woke up the next day, he'd flip the card over, and he wrote these words. Flip the card over, write this down. He wrote, perhaps today, and he put that on the nightstand because he just, you know, he he went to bed, perhaps tonight, but he woke up, he flipped the card over, 
And he saw the words perhaps today and he put that on his nightstand and, and, and when he go to work, he'd go to work, he wanted to remind himself that this could be the day. And he'd work all day long. Come home that night and right before he'd go to bed, he'd pick the card up and flip it over. Perhaps tonight. Next day, get up. He just did that every single day. And so this week, I had the church make us some cards. And they say on one side, perhaps tonight. And this side says, perhaps today. Both sides have a little Bible verse concerning the second coming of Jesus Christ. And I've asked the ushers that every single person who leaves, every one of you will be given a card. I just want you to take it home and put it on your nightstand before you go to bed, perhaps tonight. And before you leave the next morning, you turn it to perhaps today. And you see if that thought and that thought alone will not help you guard your heart from the world creeping in to your heart and to this church. Let's stand and bow our heads for a word of prayer. Father, thank you for this new series. I I do not know of a more important book as a church where we want to be the salt and the light of the world. And yet the world has crept into our thinking and to our hearts and to our lives. We have accepted so much from the world. God, that you have called wrong, that you've called evil. We're now calling good evil and evil good in this country. And the church is supposed to shine like the stars in the universe as we let our light shine before man. And I pray as we begin this series, God, that you'd help us to get plugged in to life groups. But God, most importantly, that we would begin with this very first week to look inward at our own heart, at our own lives, and to see if there's anything in there that just should not be in there. And to turn that over to you here today. Bless this invitation and bless this entire series, we pray in Jesus' name. And all God's people said. If you were moved by Pastor Dudley's message tonight, we want you to know we have phone counselors standing by and ready to pray with you right now. Our number is simple to dial. It's 888-818-4777. Again, that number is 888-818-4777. We are ready for any prayer requests or needs you may have. Ephesians 6 reminds us of the many gifts we have been given by God And prayer is one of the greatest assets we have as Christians to fend off any attack by the enemy. So please don't hesitate to call us if you are alone and need to pray with someone right now. The secret to overcoming any obstacle you are facing today is revealed through one of the most extraordinary victories ever recorded in the Bible, the Battle of Jericho. Joshua and the Israelites followed God's unusual plan to walk around the heavily fortified walls of Jericho for seven days. The Lord promised that at the end of those seven days, he would cause the walls of that famed city to fall, allowing his people to take possession of the promised land. In his book, Walls Fall Down, Pastor Dudley Rutherford shows us how the seven spiritual principles in this story are available for all of us today. 
you will learn how the foundation behind Joshua's victory is the key to overcoming your own hurdles and unsolvable issues. When you choose to do things God's way, walls crumble, victory replaces defeat, and a blessed future unfolds. Pastor Dudley's book, Walls Fall Down, is available for a gift of any size to the Lift Up Jesus ministry. This invaluable resource can be yours right now by calling our toll-free number, 888-818-4777. That number again is 888-818-4777. You can also order this book directly from our website, liftupjesus.com. That address again is liftupjesus.com. Discover how your personal Jericho battle is no match for the power of an awesome God. Call us right now and receive your copy of Walls Fall Down by Pastor Dudley Rutherford today. I'm Kyle Welch, inviting you to join us again tomorrow night at this same time here on KKLA as we lift up Jesus with Pastor Dudley.